0: In the book of Luke, in chapter six, it talks about um, about loving your enemies and 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 doing good to those who don't do good to you, and etc., cetera, et cetera. And, and then it talks about giving, and it says, "As you give, people will give unto you. press down, shaken together, run over, show me and given to your bosom." And anything that runs over is something that flows. And tonight, I'm going to be talking to you about the fruits of the spirit. Some of the things about the fruits of the spirit, and but. Uh, I remember I've shared this before. I heard Joel Osteen say this once. What comes out of you when you get bumped? What comes out of you when you get bumped? And, um, and I've, I've thought about that many times over the past probably year when I heard him say that. What comes out of me when I get bumped? How do I respond? And what are the words and the attitudes that I have when something rubs my fur backwards? You know, how do I respond? How much of the fruit is really uh, evident in my life when things don't go the way I anticipate? So I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to go first. But what is flowing through you every day? A common factor that we, that is that we all produce something every day. The same thing. <clears throat> if you are always a complainer and you're known for your complaining, probably every time somebody gets around you, they know what's going to come out. If you're known for for something, whatever it may be, Layton used to have a nickname when he was a little boy, but I won't tell you what it is. He shook his head, no. But anytime you're around him, this nickname, it was just evident. It's who he was. And uh, my wife is shaking her head, so there's no way I'm telling you. I'll tell you after church in the foyer. But anyway, uh, there's always something that's in our lives, and it's obvious. It kind of flows through us. And, you know, whenever you have a. Every, every one of us, to some degree, are known in the community in which we live and where we go. And when we go into stores, and, and we've had people in the church here over the years. And, and I, I would go into stores, and and someone would say, do, do they go to your church? And I'd say, yeah. They'd say, boy, we always dread when they come in here. And I thought, really? Sometimes I, no, I didn't say that. Anyway, but, but there's... <laughs> Jesus, forgive me and help me tonight, but but the thing is, there's something that flows about all of us, it just is, it's just kind of the way we are, it's how we carry ourselves. You know, I've always been a little bit on the hyper side, this morning I thought I was going to blow into pieces, I couldn't get my words out, I was about to go into shakes and a variety of things, and and, uh, so hopefully tonight I'll be a little more calm, but uh, what comes from us is seeds that we sow along the way, and that's something you need to really think about. As you travel in this discourse of life and how you walk, how you speak, how you, how you do things, your mannerisms, your reputation, everything that flows out of us is also dropping seeds. And I never thought about that before until today, and I begin to think, what kind of seeds are we dropping? What kind of things are we sowing in the ground that we may think, we may be oblivious that we don't think we're sowing anything, but we are. Because there's things that become like us, and people who become like us because of the seed we've sown. The third thing, um, as we mature, fruit becomes more obvious whether it's good or bad. As we mature, our fruit becomes more obvious. You know, um, London was in here for worship tonight, and she doesn't do that very often. She's usually in the nursery. And, and Wanda said when I walked up here a minute ago, she said that, or I looked over at her, she said, London's asking a thousand questions because she's not in worship, so it's kind of unique and strange to her, and, and, but as she matures, it needs to be part of her nature, whenever, you know, we have the girls a lot, and and one of the things about Maisie is if if Maisie knows she's about getting in trouble, Maisie knows to start singing, how great (laughs) is our God, or whatever it is, and I'm telling you the truth, am I telling you the truth, I'm telling you the truth, and, uh. Where that came from, hallelujah. Anyway, but as we mature, the obvious things about our fruit begin to manifest themselves. And the things that we've sown, actually we do have a kind of a trail behind us. And if you want to be really honest, if you can look at your life and look at the trail from here backwards, what's growing? What has matured, what has died off? What, What is still the same now that was years ago and what's different now? And so you may not think that really applies, but if you will really be honest and look at your life and say, boy... what's growing, what's flourishing, what pr- produce, what fruit am I producing from the behind. And so I'd like you to go to Matthew, if you will, in chapter 7. I'm going to probably sit here most of the evening. And some of you are going, no, you're not. Yes, I'm going to try. I've had a few messages that I wanted to come in. And I wanted to be like this, if you don't mind, go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You should know them by the fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Who's snoring? Already, right, let's get up on our feet then. All right, so uh, verse 16 says something that it begins to set some things in order in our lives. And Jesus is speaking, and he said, And you shall know them by their fruits. Fruit doesn't happen in the last 15 minutes. Fruit takes a while. Fruit begins to grow because of something that was done in the past. And as it continues to grow, it begins to mature. The color changes. The size changes. Are you with me? How many of you have ever had, a, has anybody ever got you to eat a persimmon when it's green? Anybody ever tried those? How many of you have ever ate acorns? Anybody ever picked up a white oak acorn? Man, that's a good acorn. No, you haven't. But if you go and eat a pin oak and then you go eat a white oak, you see why the deer like them. They're not quite as bitter. But everything has to mature, and the things in our life are maturing one way or another. You can not only see them laying behind you, but you can watch them before your eyes. You watch things begin to mature, and it ripens, and it fills out, and it becomes something that's desirable. Sometimes we have this knack about us that we never allow our fruit to mature. We're always stuck in it and being in the green stage. It's the kind of stage that never is very profitable. It's not real good to eat. Because it's become something that people are a little bit less likely to be uh, interested in. So in chapter 7, verse 16, You should know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? No, but you do blackberries. So every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. What is corrupt What is this about trees? It's representing a human life. And every one of us are producing, whether it's good or whether it's corrupt. But let me ask you, when you hear the term corrupt, it doesn't start off corrupt. There's something that gets in there and corrupts the tree. How many of you have ever heard of ringing a tree? You take a chainsaw and you cut a ring around it. Why do you do that? You want it to die. There's a thorn tree on the back of our property uh, two or three years ago, and it was a great big thorn tree, and I didn't want it maturing and having 70,000 little ones around it. So I took my chainsaw and cut around it and left it for about a year and a half, and it died. Uh, I notched it to my tractor and pushed and cut and, and pushed it on over, and now it's down in a gully. But the reason I wanted it gone is because regardless of, of what it's producing, it's going to reproduce. And there's just something about us, every one of us are reproducers of our like kind. And you may not think that it's that big a deal, but friend, it is. I want my fruit to be edible. I want my fruit to have value. I want what I represent to have something about it that has some substance. And if you don't look at your life and you don't look at the things behind you, and let me say this, if you don't learn to inspect the fruit that's coming out daily, then you're going to be producing corrupt fruit because something is getting there and ruining it. I asked you this a few weeks ago, I think on a Wednesday night, but how how does a worm get on the inside of an apple? How does a worm get on the inside of an apple? Some of you know, some of you are saying, well, dude, it bites a hole in it and goes in it. No, it doesn't. A worm doesn't bite a hole from the outside. A worm eats its way out from the inside. Now you're thinking, well, how in the world does a worm get in there? A worm gets in there because the egg has been laid whenever it was a flower. There was a bloom. And that worm larva was there. And as it began to mature from that flower, it was already in the conception stage. You see, all of us are just like that. We have a conception because we were conceived in sin. There's something, there's a wormhole, if you want to say that, in each of our lives. But if we will take product, and we will spread and we will prune the trees, and we will take care of it, we can get rid of those things which corrupt from the inside out. A good tree, verse 18, cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth fruit, good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not good fruit... Bringeth forth good fruit, it's hewed down, and it's cast into the fire. Therefore you shall know them by their fruits. And I begin to think about, man, how many of you all would like to want, would want the Lord to right now, tonight, call you on the carpet, and bring the fruits up before you that you're producing? How are you leaving, living? Would he say, you're doing great, man, you're awesome, you're, you're producing good fruit? Or would he say, man, you got a bunch of wormholes because you didn't spray? You've got a bunch of stuff going on in your life that is anything but fulfilling, and all of the fruit is damaged, or it's, or it's, it's rotten, or, or it's producing something that's an unfit fruit. And so some of us would say, well, you know, mine's not so hot. Well, the only person that can correct that is you. I can't fix it, your wife can't fix it, your husband can't fix it, only you can fix it, only asking him to work through your life to get it under control. Now, we're going to go a little bit farther in this, but uh, we went down to Arkansas yesterday, and we got home about 11 o'clock last night, <clears throat> and uh, Brother Ed and, and Jacob went with us, and we went down, and and some other people were down there from church, and but on, I, don't, I think it's on the way back we started talking about cattle, and I don't know much about them. Yeah, I do. I know tons about them. If you have any questions? Just ask me. But the one thing I've noticed is I don't put up with the cows. If one acts crazy, it's gone. If one doesn't produce calves, it's gone. If there's something about it I don't like, I'm getting rid of it. I had a smut color. How many of you know what a smut color cow is? A smut color cow is the one that's crossed between a, a black and and a. And a and a, or a Charlet, and they come out, they're, a, they're a kind of a smoky look, and I didn't like that look, and she had little horns. Well, even though she was a good mama, I didn't want her. I wanted her out of my herd, so I called her out. And he was telling me stories about cows they let have chance after chance, and, and it was kind of a unique situation. But the thing is about us, there was times that we need to be called, and the Lord could call us. And I don't know about you, but if something's not producing, if I've got a cow that's not dropping a calf every year, that cow's not going to be mine much longer. Why? If I'm going to invest in my cows and in these heifers or these cows, they better be producing something. Because if they're not going to produce, I don't want them. Kind of sound familiar? How can we be desirable to him if we are not producing? And we only produce like fruit. So I want you to stop for a minute and I want you to think. What is your conversation like and how do you behave? And all of those around you. If those around you are producing fruit, then it's a good chance, so are you. If those around you are producing bad fruit, and there's nothing good and positive, then more than likely, neither are you. So you have to eliminate the things, and you have to learn to call. That's in relationships, and it's also the same way with with produce, and it's the same way with cattle. I remember back at Teen Challenge years ago, we had about, I think, what, seven acres of strawberries, something like that, Bill? We had a lot of strawberries. If you've never picked seven acres of strawberries... You may like to eat them, but you would hate to pick them. I hated them. There's a lot of things. Let me go back to my other story. One of the things that I look for in keeping a coal, keeping a coal or a cow or a bull, if you want to call them a combination, you can call it a coal. All right. So a cow or a bull, the Mountain Dew's kicking back in. All right. Things I look at is I look at what kind of bull, uh, what kind of cow. I look at their temperament. I look at the calving. How does this cow have calves? Does she have them easily? How does she fit How do their calves feel? Do they fill out quick? Do they look good? Uh, does she a good milker? Does she have good milk for her calf? Is she motherly? Is she always talking to her calf and taking care of it? Her maternal temperament. Uh, if she starts skipping, she's gone. I look at their hips. I look, and this sounds kind of weird, but you look at the back end of a cow. You look at their back. You look at a variety of things about them to see if they're worth keeping or not. I'm so glad that God doesn't look at us the same way. His mercies are new every morning because he's got hope that something's going to be producing, something that's going to come out of our life that, that we've got value. If you go to John chapter 8, give an example of, of, of what true fruit is and, and something that's really unique in an individual's life that, dude, you cannot deny the fruit and love and character that this person had. John chapter eight and verse two. And early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman which was taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, the very act. And Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? And they were tempting Jesus, and he knew this, and they they might have reason to accuse him of Jesus. Just stooped down and wrote in the road in the ground. Y'all hear me read this about once every three months. As though he heard them not, and when they continued asking him and lifted up himself, and he said unto them, "He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone." Man, this morning, your message was almost this: There's nothing wrong with the stones. There's just something wrong with what you do with them. Because stones can be used in a thousand ways that are productive, but they also can be things that are very detrimental. These guys are bringing a fruit of judgment and a fruit of arrogance to Christ. Jesus ignored him and said, those of you that are without sin, go ahead and stone her. You know the rest of the story, they all began to leave from the oldest to the youngest. And Jesus says, where's your accuser? She goes, I don't have any. And he told her to go and sin no more. There's a time in our life that we have to understand Jesus in this particular point was producing the greatest fruit. His fruit was forgiveness. His fruit was mercy. His fruit was hope in someone that nobody else had hope in. Everybody else had given up. Next place I'd like you to go is in the book of Galatians, and this obviously is where we're going to spend a few minutes. Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians 5. Chapter 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. You can read the rest. It talks about pride and vain glory, but I don't want to go there. I want to talk to you about what the fruits are. How many of you have ever heard of the fruits of the Spirit before? How many of you believe those are things that should be obvious in our life? We'll just read over them real quick. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such things there is no law. Those are all things, but there's something unique about these things. Fruit is something that is produced on the outside. It's rarely something that's produced on the inside. It may come from the inside, but it produces outwardly. So here's the thing about fruits. Fruit should always be centered on others, always. It should be something that when it comes out of you, it goes on to somebody else, and it's directionalized outward. And you may think, well, that's, that's kind of weird. But let's look at these words because it's easy for us to love ourselves, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our life is to love others, joy being around them peace we're not full of strife there's not always drama between us long suffering you have gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance these are all things that we gear toward other people so how quick are you to abandon all these fruits when it comes to somebody else how quick the fruits are not about how you think about yourself the fruits are how you take care of other people And oh, how important that is in the life of a believer because when we as believers don't know how to portray the fruit toward others, then we're not portraying Christ at all. A great example I just read to you about Jesus is the greatest fruit that Jesus had is that even in the midst of loving the lady who was criticized and, and the things that was said to her, he also loved the scribes and Pharisees without completely embarrassing them with all the sin that was in their life. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not about exposing everybody else but it's about exposing Christ to everybody else. Are you with me? Am I killing you? <clears throat> Fruit exposed. It always goes outward. <clears throat> when I was a little boy, my grandparents had a farm. It was a hill farm, a real hill farm, and and uh, didn't have a lot of vights. So a lot of people had a little tobacco base on it. They raised tobacco and sold tobacco, and some of you went, <gasps> but they did, and, and uh, my Grandpa chewed it his whole life, smoked it most of my years, and... Spit it with on his chin, you know, his Folgers can. I know all about tobacco and and um but my grandpa had an apple tree right out in the front yard. Have I ever told this story before? My grandpa, good, some of you never heard it. You're it's your lucky night. Um he had this apple tree, and how many of y'all know what a June apple is? How many of you know what a June apple is? How many of you don't have a clue what a June apple is? Uh, June apples are those little green apples that come on trees that always have worms in them. They're a neglected apple tree. that grow in a variety of directions, but they're great to climb in, and you can have a lot of big fights with them because the apples are small, and if you get a big one, you'll climb up. It doesn't matter. But what I would do, <clears throat> I was kind of a glutton at times, and the thing is about June apples is if you eat too many June apples, they begin to eat on you. And I remember eating one after the other, After the other when I was a little boy, kind of like rhubarb. First time I ever had rhubarb, I went nuts. I never ate anything so cool in all my life, something that sour. Man, I ate so many stalks. And Let me give you a little advice. If you're going to eat raw rhubarb, use your strength. Two times I got really sick at my grandparents. One was from eating too many green apples, and I'll let you figure that part out. And the other one was eating too much rhubarb. I ate many sticks. I ate so many sticks that that night when I got home, my mom had to take me to the emergency room. Because my mouth swelled up like a doggone cauliflower. It was terrible. Who cares? Okay. That's just something to tell your grandkids, all right? Whatever. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Fruits always require, and this is the other thing about fruits to be expressed and to be shown, they always require a relationship with you and somebody else. They always require relationships. You can go out and have dogs, and you can have horses and cows and all this. Let me tell you a little quick story about boldness in prayer. Um, um, It's always extroverted. It's always in relationship with other people. That's how fruits are shown. But I'm going to tell you this story real quick. I went to the funeral home today. Jason Madison's grandmother passed away, and we were sitting there. And, and of course, um, I've been sitting with Jason. Went back and talked to Jason and Brother Cooper, and he was talking to Brother Cooper. When he starts getting into his story, you do this, you, you pay attention, and I've, if you ever have a pet that's sick, run over by a car, drop from an airplane, whatever, poison, take it to Brother Cooper, let him lay hands on that, that thing and pray for it, and uh, more than once I've heard him tell stories of laying hands on these animals and believing and praying over them, and God resurrected them, and they had this dog, it was a stray, and they kind of have a lot of those, and this particular dog kind of grew close to it, and and he used to ride on the golf cart with him. If you know their house, you've been there, there's always a dog on the golf cart and goes and runs around, and it's Bozo now, but this is before him. And, and all of a sudden, a squirrel took off across the road, and they were going down the hill to the blacktop, and a squirrel took off, and a dog went after it, ran right out in front of a Dodge, big Dodge 4-wheel drive truck, and the guy just rolled it and ran over the dog. And the dog's laying there all crying and bawling and stuff, and and... Brother Cooper went over to check him out, and only him. I'm feeling all the leg muscles and bones, make sure everything's all together. I would have, it doesn't matter what I've done. Anyway, he's taking care of it, and Sister Cooper goes, just put it out of its misery. He looked at it, and he goes, no, I'm going to pray for that dog, and God, he will live. And, dude, you could feel it right then. I would have lived, you know, and and uh, so he said he picked that dog up, took it to the golf cart, prayed over that thing, and he said all the issues it was having was, was physical and it's kind of gross. He took it to the vet and said, I can't find anything wrong. Why? Because there was a boldness. Now, you may think, well, what did that have to do with fruit? There was a gentleness, even dealing with this critter, that he laid hands on and prayed that was obvious. As he prayed over this, this this dog, this human, it wasn't about himself. It was something that went on. I'm going I'm to wrap up. Um, fruits always require relationship to other people. These are the attributes with a purpose and how we how we react and how we treat others these fruits love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance you know there is something to be said about uh how many of you ever had that grandma that would scratch your back for like hours you may have one of those yeah how many of you would like to have one of those now yeah and i mean my grandma zella my mother's mom she was just a sweet tall lady and and just a sweetheart and my brother was her pet. He was her favorite grandkid. And Marty spent a lot of time with my grandma. She lived with us for a few years. She had Alzheimer's and it was developing more uh, strong. And, and my brother would take advantage of his grandma Zella, And he would go downstairs in the basement and say, hey, grandma, you want to scratch my back? And she didn't know if it was five minutes or five hours. But I know one thing. My brother used to have his back scratched for hours. And, and granny would just, just loved it. And, but the thing about her, there was always this fruit of love. They came out of Zella. There was something about her nature and her walk with the Lord that it was obvious. Her meekness, her kindness. And some of you are thinking, well, what is this about? You know, when you have the fruit of the Spirit flowing through your life, it's so much easier to serve others. We've been talking about serving this whole month, and we'll go into one week maybe of next month, but we're talking about serving. It is impossible to be a servant without the fruits dominating your life. Because if they're not flowing out, you can't reach out. You're still too consumed about how things come your way. Who is serving you? Who's taking care of you? And here's the last great example. It's in the book of Luke in chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Verse 29 says, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, what Jesus had said to this guy before this, I'll just read it to you. And he answered and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy, and with all thy might, all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. There's no way to love other people if the fruits are not functioning in your life. You can follow the rules. you cannot do this, you cannot do that. you can be faithful, you can teach a class, you' can obey all the car rules, never speed, use your turn signal, whatever it all. You can do all the right things, but you can never lead properly and never be a neighbor if you can't figure this part out about the fruit of the spirit. Verse 30. And Jesus answered and said, "A certain man went down from Jerusalem. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment. Wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came by a certain pastor that went that way. And when he saw him, he went on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, not a Levite, but a, 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 a presbyter of a section, he went by. And when he went by, he came and looked on him, and he passed by on the other side. But then there was a certain guy... A businessman that wasn't necessarily a believer. He wasn't really a, a person who had doctrinal or any type of position. But there was something about this guy, this Samaritan, as he traveled. He came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to the, to the motel, and he took care of him. And on tomorrow, before he left, he took out some money, and he gave there at the host, and he said, take care of him until I come back. And if you spend any more, I'll pay you when I get here. Now, which of these two, or which of these three, thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he who produced fruit. Now, let me ask all of us tonight, before we leave, because this is all I'm going to share, which one of these guys is us? Which one of these guys is when he goes out of his way to accommodate and be gentle and meek and sweet and nice and compassionate to other people? Or are we too busy to do anything for anybody else? We like people to do for us. We don't want to do it for them. You don't have to do for me. But there's people that come into this church for the first time, the tenth time, that somebody has got to learn to connect with them and show them what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love them. We had a great meeting. had a great meeting Thursday night with the worship team, and it was just a great time with Jason and Lori on the nursery planting. It was great. It was great. We're having a board meeting tomorrow night. Tonight we met with hospitality. It was, man, it's great. I, I felt such a spirit of unity. Probably the last couple of weeks I haven't, you know, just, it's just been really good. And I really feel like the Lord's taking us to a place that it's going to require us to be unified. But here's the thing. There cannot be unity when we don't have the mindset of a servant. We can't. Because what happens if you don't have the mindset of a servant, you've got a bunch of chiefs wanting to do their own things without listening as a group and doing things corporately. Folks, we have a lot of people that need Jesus. And they're not going to get it by being a priest or a Levite. They're going to get it by being a Samaritan. Because there's something that flows through us to them. Because it's always relational. Always relational. That's how fruits are manifested. They come from me to go to you. And if they're not coming out of you to go to them, something's missing. I'm going to share one more little thing in closing. You may get tired of hearing about serving. But I know that it's servanthood and serving others is what makes the difference in any church. I've mentioned this guy three times today. I've mentioned Joel Osteen three times. And it's not like I listen to him every day, but he just says little things that just catches my mind. If you ever listen to him on the radio, if you ever watch him, he says, if you're ever in the Houston area, Wait, let me try it again. If you're ever in the Houston area, stop by. We'd love to have you in one of our services. We'll make you feel right at home. I can't smile and do it that good, but that's what he always says. More than okay, more than once. I, I do like him. More than once, um, I've heard him tell stories about people in the community would go out and do good deeds and help people and do different things. And after they would help people, word got back to him that people would tell him, "You know, these people did this or they did that, and we should have expected it because they're they're part of the family at Lakewood. They're part of the church at Lakewood. They're part of the church at Lakewood." And I begin to think, what is it about the mentality of them that those people know how to serve regardless of where they go? Now, if you listen to Joel preach, he doesn't talk about serving very rarely. He talks about God's plan for your life about 95% of the time. But one of the things about God's plan for your life is this. It's always about serving. He may not say that, but we're going to say that. Because there needs to be something different enough, not that we're better, not that there's no place for pride. We're all pitiful and we're all pathetic. But man, through his grace working through us, man, there's fruit coming behind us. It's growing. It's maturing. There's stuff happening. Okay, I'm done. We're going to pray.